Good morning. Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spirited and spiritual community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and being in right relationship with one another, with ourselves, and with our planet. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And so, in the spirit of that heritage, the way that we greet the divine on a Sunday morning, especially now when we are gathering remotely, if you have access to comments, is to greet one another in the comments. And notice that the divine in you is greeting the divine in others. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. From Odette Fulbright, a Unitarian Universalist minister at All Souls, New York City. For those whose relationship with time has become disordered or decentered, peace. For those whose hearts and minds are struggling, who feel too much at sea, peace. For those who feel buffeted between anger and sadness, anxiety and despair, peace. For all who struggle in secret and all those whose struggles are too much on display, peace. You are not alone. You are enough. You are worthy. You do not have to be anything more than yourself, human, alive, to be deeply loved. Amen. Ashe, blessed be. This congregation wrote its own mission statement. It guides our decisions as we move together into the future. We like it. We wrote it on the wall of our sanctuary, and we say it together every Sunday. Together, we nourish souls transform lives. And do justice to build the beloved community. Good morning. Today we're talking about mercy. But are you wondering what that word means? Are you wondering what it means to give mercy to someone else? Well, sometimes we're, if someone around us does something that we think is wrong. We think they did something really wrong or really made a mistake. It might make us really mad. We might want to yell at them or just go, oh, you did something wrong. And if we're showing mercy, then we realize we can be kind to that person instead of yelling at them. We can realize that maybe they had something else going on, like something bad happened to them recently, or they didn't get enough sleep, and it just made them make a mistake, and they don't need to be yelled at. Sometimes we are so focused on the thing that we want, we're so focused on doing the thing we think we're supposed to be doing, that we kind of don't pay attention to anyone around who might get in the way, anyone who might get hurt while we're really going after what we want. And showing mercy means paying attention to those people and not hurting people just to get what we want or what we think is right. 
Let me read you a story about one of my favorite characters who learns that you can always change your mind, you can always make a decision to show mercy and be kind. Leonardo the Terrible Monster by Mo Willems. Leonardo was a terrible monster. He couldn't scare anyone. He didn't have 1,642 teeth like Tony. He wasn't big like Eleanor. And he wasn't just plain weird like Hector. Leonardo tried very hard to be scary, but he just wasn't. One day, Leonardo had an idea. He would find the most scaredy-cat kid in the whole world and scare the tuna salad out of him. Leonardo researched until he found the perfect candidate. Sam. Leonardo snuck up on the poor, unsuspecting boy... And the monster gave it all he had. Blackle, blackle, grrr, Until the little boy cried. Yes, cheered Leonardo. I did it. I finally scared the tuna salad out of someone. No, you didn't, snapped Sam. Oh, yeah, replied Leonardo. Then why are you crying? brother stole my action figure right out of my hands while I was still playing with it and then he broke it on purpose and it was my favorite toy and I tried to fix it but I couldn't and I got so mad I kicked the table and I stubbed my toe on the same foot that I hurt last month when I accidentally slipped in the bathtub after I got soap in my eyes trying to wash out the bird poo that my brother's cockatoo pooped on my head and I don't have many friends and my tummy hurts that's why Then Leonardo made a very big decision. Instead of being a terrible monster, he would become a wonderful friend. It's okay. But that didn't mean he couldn't try to scare his friend every now and then. Our meditative reading comes to us from Donna Ashworth. Ashworth is a white British poet and social media wordsmith who has written several books of poetry. This piece comes from her newest collection called To the Women, and it concerns the complex trauma we are experiencing as a global community. Here are these words. You're not imagining it. Nobody seems to want to talk right now. Messages are brief and replies late. Talk of catch-ups on Zoom are perpetually put on hold. Group chats are no longer pinging all night long. It's not you. It's everyone. We are spent. We have nothing left to say. You're tired of saying, I miss you, and I can't wait for this to end. So we mostly say nothing, put our heads down, and just get through each day. 
you're not imagining it. This is a state of being like no other we have ever known because we are all going through it together, but so very far apart. Hang in there, my friend. When the mood strikes, send out all those messages and don't feel you have to apologize for being quiet. This is hard. No one is judging. Now is the time in our service when we join together in prayer or meditation. Our nation has marked a very sad milestone this week with 500,000 Americans dead of the COVID virus and many more hundreds of thousands around the world. Let us say a prayer for them now. This prayer was written by my friend Byron Ballard. It's called um, Prayer for the Dead. You have come to the end of this pathway in a journey to which we bear witness. You have come to the end of a pathway that is barred with a gate and a door. May this door open swiftly and silently. May this gate give you a moment's grace in which to rest your spirit before you venture through. We stand here with you as your companions, as your family, for you are beloved. But for now, we must remain here. We cannot go with you to this old land, not yet. For you will see the ancestors. You will see the beloved dead. You will walk among the divine beings that guide and nurture us all. You go to dwell in the lands of summer and of apples where we dance forever youthful, forever free. You can hear the music in the mist, the drums that echo our sad hearts. We see your bright eyes and your smile. And so we open the gate, we push back the door, we hold the gate open, we glance through the doorway, and with love and grief and wonder, we watch you walk through. Hail the traveler. All those remembered in love, in honor, live on. Farewell, O best loved, O fairest, farewell. As we continue in an attitude of prayer and meditation, you are welcome to light candles, candles of joy or sorrow, remembrance or determination.
we have all been through something difficult, traumatizing, and horrific. I'm not just talking about the COVID pandemic. I'm talking to my Texas folks about the freeze last week. One of the hardest things about the freeze was not having anywhere to go. Not having any way to help yourselves or each other. Sitting in the dark, cold air, melting snow to cook with, to wash with, to flush with. That is not the kind of camping I see myself having enough experience to do. And even if I were to do that kind of camping, it would be voluntary. And there would be places to go to get to a better situation if I decided I couldn't handle it. Last week, the roads were impassable. We couldn't even invite our neighbors over or go over to non-family members very easily without feeling like we were taking a huge risk with our health. To go to a shelter felt dangerous. And at the same time, you were freezing and thirsty in your own house. You couldn't help but think about the unhoused people who had been camping under the underpasses. And what were they doing and where were they going and how dangerous was it for them? And what was happening to people who, who didn't have a gas fireplace, which we had at our house, which saved us? Being unable to help neighbors for the first few days anyway was very hard. My colleague Joanna Fontaine Crawford said the other day, it's like we are living in the nested Russian dolls of trauma. There's the pandemic, and then there's the freeze, and then there's whatever's going on in your own family, and then there's everything you hear about your neighbors going through. And trauma affects our brains, and that's what I want to talk to you about today because so many people are feeling like they they need to be strong now, and they need to put it behind them, and they need to go on and be uh, advocating for political change, and we do need to be doing that, but my God, we need to give ourselves a little time to recover In your brain, there are, there's a thinking center, there's an emotional regulation center, and then way down, we call it the lizard brain or the amygdala, is the instinct center, the fear center, the fight or flight center. And what happens during trauma, uh, which is when... Things happen to you at a rate that your body just can't process because your body is the first element in you to experience anything. Your body can't process it and you go into fight or flight and you can't do either one. Everything's frozen outside. There's no water. What do you do? What do you fight? And where do you go? You can't flee. It's just... You're there, which made it even so much more outrageous when our elected leaders 
fled to other places. We couldn't. What trauma does is freeze you inside. You have this fight or flight response, but instead you can't do either one, so you just freeze. And that makes a soul wound. That makes a wound in your nervous system. And what happens is that your thinking center gets underactivated and your emotional control center gets underactivated and your fear center gets overactivated. So many of us have been reporting feeling a complete lack of focus. Some people can't even read something and comprehend what they're reading. Some people can't remember names of very familiar people and things. Some people are are feeling like a, what they describe as a low-grade depression or terrible fatigue. Just You get up and you do something and then you have to lie down. And then you get up and do something again and then you have to lie down again. Or we might feel like we're on the verge of tears all the time or that we're ready to start screaming and we worry that if we start screaming we won't be able to stop. When when your amygdala is overactivated and your emotional control response is underactivated, your response to things that happen to you, even when the trauma is over, is outsized. You have an overdeveloped response. Say something stops working in your house. Maybe the washing machine breaks down now that you have water, or maybe your your computer won't work for a minute, or maybe your body gets something wrong with it, and there's just this outsized, oh, no, response to that because you're you've been on the edge for so long and then you've let yourself relax because the weather's warmer and you can hear the snow melting and here comes the water back on again and having to boil it is not so bad at least you have water at least you're not washing your hands in the melting snow in the bathtub at least you're not hearing about hospitals with no water where they're where they're doing surgery without being able to to wash in anything but hand sanitizer and where they can't flush the toilets i mean it's horrific what we went through. And people will say, oh, well, we didn't have it as bad as other people. Stop it. Everyone has their own experience of a bad time. And all over Texas, we had a bad experience of a bad time. And we're tired. And we're angry. And we're sad. There's a psychologist named Dr. Jennifer Sweeten who was trained in Harvard and Stanford and she's describing your brain during a trauma response. And she says, you may experience stress, vigilance, fear, irritation. You may also have a hard time feeling safe, calming down and sleeping. And those are the result of a hyperactive fear center. At the same time, you may notice a difficulty in uh, concentration and attention. And you can't think clearly. Obviously, I'm having the same 
thing happen. So what I'm trying to say to you all is to have mercy on yourselves and have mercy on one another. That I'm going to have mercy on myself and let myself cry in front of you. Because I'm in the same boat. <laughs> we've lost people. And we've lost trust. And we've lost a feeling of safety. And it's going to take us some time to stop feeling like there's another emergency around the corner. Because maybe there is. <laughs> have mercy on each other. And have mercy on yourself. And don't demand that you get over it too quickly. And don't demand that you get back to normal quickly. Just give yourself time. And how do you give yourself time and rest? You find somebody who will listen to your stories of what happened. Telling our stories as many times as we need to tell them is part of how we heal. And since so much of the trauma is in your body, doing things that help your body, breathing, deep breathing, drinking lots of water. In our family, we like to howl like wolves. <laughs> Some of you have howled with me before. That's a body activity that can help release some of the trauma that we carry. One of the wonderful things about this time was how much people were helping each other. Our neighborhood buy nothing group was wonderful. People could say I I need detergent or I don't have any cereal or I need milk, I need eggs. Our chickens kept laying all during the freeze. <laughs> And so we had eggs to give away and other people were giving away clothes because, you know, when people's pipes burst, their house floods and their clothes get ruined. And then there's a group called Austin Mutual Aid that was doing amazing work with people who were in incredible depths of need. People who had cars that would run in snow and ice were volunteering to bring things to people cases of water and food so I think all those movies where the zombies are coming and there's an apocalypse and people are surviving because they had guns and a spider hole those are so wrong because the way we survived this when we did was because we got to know our neighbors and we helped each other. It's got nothing to do with guns. It's got to do with sharing what you have and asking for help. I wish you healing and I wish you mercy.
There will now be an offering taken and gratefully received to strengthen this church and its mission. This church was able to set itself up to give away water to people who didn't have water last Sunday afternoon. This church has helped people last week. So much need and everybody's tired. Thank you for supporting this congregation with your generous pledges and your payments on your pledges. And if you are visiting from another church, we would love for you to donate to this church. But if you're a member of another church that might be too small to be carrying on during this time, please donate to them so they'll still be there when this is all over. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Yeah, we all could use a little mercy now. I know we don't deserve it, but we need it anyhow. We hang in the balance, dangle between hell and hallowed ground. And every single one of us could use a little mercy now. Yeah, every single one of us could use a little mercy now. A song by Mary Gautier. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.